You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, filling your ears with voices since 2013. At the top of the hour this hour, October Barbershop Events. Within a two-week period in October, there are two amazing barbershop conventions to put on the calendar. First, from October 15 to 20, the Sweet Adelines are having their international convention and competition. Held at the America's Center in St. Louis, Missouri, it features amazing concerts and, of course, the big competitions. Then, on October 31st, Harmony Inc. kicks off their international convention and contests in Orlando, Florida. With vendors, classes, concerts, and competitions galore, both events are going to be a ton of fun. Get info on Sweet Adelines at sweetadelines.com and on Harmony Inc. at harmonyinc.org. Hello, Acaville fans, and welcome to Tacapella. I'm your host, John Lampus, here on Acaville Radio's weekly talk show. Today, I'm joined by a great friend of mine, Chris Glatfelter, who is a member of my group, The Mountain Horns, back in Colorado. Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. It's uh, going to be a fresh and new experience. I'm looking forward to it. Nice use of fresh. It is It is going to be fresh. That's exactly what it's going to be. Chris, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? All right. I'm 32. I am a teacher. I teach ninth and 10th grade high school social studies. I live in Fort Collins, Colorado. I'm tall, dark, handsome, all that. You are stuff. not dark. You are not dark. You and are. <laughs> you got to see me now that we've had some sunshine. I'm getting That's dark. fair. That's fair. Let's see. I guess to, to be a little bit more to the point, um, I started singing in choir when I was in high school. And I did that for three or no, for four of my all four of my years. Nice. And then didn't for over a decade and then joined back again at the CSU Chorus. So that's Colorado State University. Mm -hmm. And that's where I met you into my second semester of University Chorus, joined Mountain Horns, and here we are. And here we are. Chris, you definitely have a really unique acapella experience that I don't know that a lot of people have in that you are a graduate of CSU. You're still in the CSU area, but as a graduate, you are a member of a collegiate acapella group. That's, I think that's pretty unique. I, I guess it is. I guess I, I mean, I realize that now, but I mean, you know, whatever you can do in the pursuit of honeys, I suppose this is where we are. (laughs) Okay. So Chris, can you tell me a little bit about what Mountain Horns this past year was like for you? You're an older guy. Like you said, you were 32, joining uh, a group of a lot of freshmen, some juniors and some seniors, and one uh, grad student. So what was it like for you as someone not a student being in a student group? Um, Initially, there was a lot of hesitation. I mean, first and foremost, I have a pretty demanding schedule, so it was kind of Mm -hmm. considering that sort of thing. I've got a wife, kids, um, which makes the pursuit of honeys awkward, but here we are. Um, So I Casey, I hope you're not listening to this, but she, if you are, she is listening. She's right here. <laughs> but, you know, we would never be motivated if she wasn't there glaring at us. Um, <laughs> it was initially just kind of a thing about time and thinking about that. And then it was I was actually really nervous for auditions because I anything I do, I like to or I guess I hope to do well. So I was excited for the opportunity to get in upon joining. Um, 
I don't know, be it self-esteem issues or just my situation, I was a little bit worried about being this weird old man creeping around with 18 and 19 year olds for the most part. But I think it's been a really great experience. You know, so many of our members were freshmen. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like so five. that's actually yeah. the demographic that I, you know, I, I would have just graduated them essentially. Like I, you know, they could have been in my class last year kind of thing. And so it's kind of cool to get to engage with people for whom I, I, I work with, I guess I'll, I'll use those words, but yeah. people for whom I work with in a, in a different setting and outside of being a professional, because it's, it's nice to get to engage with people on a much more personal level rather than, I don't know, industrial. Yeah, I totally agree. Could you talk a little bit more about like, what was your relationship this year with the other members of the group? Because from my perspective, it, it didn't seem like I, you know, as the music director, I treated you any different. It felt like we were all like, uh, you know, to quote high school musical, we were all in this together and it, it didn't ever feel like there was a divide essentially. What was it like for you? I would definitely agree with that. In fact, I, I think it's really interesting because I, I did not want to fall my, into any sort of mentor role. I know that I'm mm-hmm. older, but when it comes to everybody in that room, I'm probably the least knowledgeable with musical functions. I, as an example, cannot read music. I can look at it and roughly hum what I'm going to do, but I couldn't tell you what was, uh, you know, I can't tell you the difference between a B or a C sharp or anything like that. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I can't. So everybody else in that room was more skilled than I was. So I'm just kind of there along for the ride. And so with that in mind, I think that everybody in the group stepped up in a lot of different ways. We yeah. have a lot of leadership. You know, you as an example, of course, the the front man, you're Freddie Mercury here. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, people like Tim and Zach, you know, when it comes to just like stepping up and knowing his music, everybody really played an excellent role and so i think it was great to get to kind of relate as the student almost yeah and everybody was very candid there didn't seem to you know other than maybe my reservations of being the creepy old man um everybody seemed to kind of gel pretty well and get along in a very in an egalitarian way yeah i definitely agree and i think i think the fact that we were all new members probably contributed to everyone being really accepting and because there wasn't like a set feeling or a culture for the group. We kind of all made that together and there wasn't any, I don't know, there there wasn't any, you didn't have to like infiltrate anything. If that kind of makes sense, you weren't like an older guy trying to hang out with the young kids. We were all just there together. And because there were no preconceptions or pre-existing group culture, it was really easy for everyone to just gel immediately. Whereas with new groups, and I think the group will face this this year, like you're trying to find someone who fit when auditioning, you're trying to find someone who fits that culture. So it's always, it's kind of tricky in trying to figure out, okay, what's going to be the best fit for the group and how do I fit into that? Yeah. And I think a really unique aspect with that is, you know, I guess if we're going to boring teacher talk, it's (laughs) the idea of norming, you know, you get to Mm -hmm. establish all of those things. So getting to be a part of that process was, I think, incredibly valuable for, for me. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Could you describe what norming is? I've heard it used in a class or two, but I actually don't know quite what it is. Is it like routines? Norming is kind of the idea of setting your own rules and setting your own pace. Obviously the school is going to say, you know, please don't light anything on fire. Don't stab anyone, but (laughs) ideally you get to kind of set the class culture and there's going to be things that are always going to be reiterated. Please don't talk over us. No racial slurs some of those, but then you can set something like a phone policy. What's the policy for phones? Well, 
if the class as a unit decides that what the policy is for them, then they're more likely to adhere to it because it was mm -hmm. their policy in the first place. And so you go through this, you make all of these different, you know, rules and set the standards, please don't talk over each other, or maybe three before me kind of thing when we're all trying to, to share in a discussion. And so I, I think that in our group, it was very much that process of like, okay, how do we interact? You've got some people who know each other, you've got some of us who don't know any of anybody, you've got, uh, I think that there was a lot of like kind of feeling it out. And it maybe led to a little bit of a slow start. But I think that kind of easing into it was a really great thing as opposed to just, as you mentioned, having this puzzle already built and then trying to find a piece that fits in. I think that's a solid way of putting it, especially um, for what we did second semester. So first semester, I met with every member who did in the first round of auditions. There were two or three of us who came in in the second round, but I met with everyone uh, and asked them, like, what do you want out of this group? What What's your goal? And pretty much everyone said individually of each other that they wanted to be a part of campus. They wanted to do fun music. They wanted to do a, a wide variety of stuff. But most of all, it was like, we want to be a campus presence. And that was great. And that's like what we all wanted to do, that we came to that independently, and that worked out well. So going in, I assumed, like, great, we all know what we're going to do. Uh, we all know where we want to be. But what I didn't do first semester was, okay, how essentially are we going to get there? We had rules, but not hard and fast ones like what happens when you're late? What happens if you miss a rehearsal? So second semester, we did more of what you wanted to do with, we sat, I remember sitting everyone down for our first like quote unquote rehearsal where we just went over, what are the rules for this semester? What are our routines? And I found that to be very, very successful. It took a lot off my mind. And I think everyone, because like you said, they had set the um they'd establish the rules yeah because they had a the say in what our late policy was or what we do when we miss a rehearsal or how sectionals work everyone was way more cooperative and i didn't have to like convince people or like try and reestablish things midway through the semester we had a really smooth second semester because we did kind of what you're saying which is basically what teachers do at the beginning of the year I think that there's something to definitely be said about the group as well. I think that in the organizational process, it's really nice to get to to choose. And mm -hmm. there's an element of choice that I think really adds to that dynamic. Mm -hmm. I'm starting a new class right now. And that's something that I think is going to be a really big boon for me is the fact that people are there by choice. Yeah, You know, this isn't a class you had to take or something like that. So just that element of choice tends to bring people in a setting that they want. But then on top of that, I think it was a, a conscious thought of like, is this person going to be able to be, you know, we're not picking divas, I guess. And so kudos to you. And <laughs> I'm, I'm glad it all came out together. I'm curious to see how next year goes. Now I am that, too. Oh, just now that everybody will be hitting the ground running. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So I'm curious, Chris, comparing, and you kind of already touched on this, comparing our first semester with our second semester. First semester, Brand new group. I was learning on the fly of how to, not learning on the fly, but I was definitely not as experienced as I would be second semester or I am now um, with the kind of looser rules versus a pretty clear set of what our goal, we had goals for both, but second semester, we all established really clear rules. What was it like for you comparing those two semesters as a member of the group? Um, I think that there's a lot, I think that there was a learning curve and, mm -hmm. you know, just kind of getting a feel for each other, getting a feel for our voices, 
starting with no music is going to be a tough thing. You know, you've got nothing in the repertoire, nothing in the back. Yeah, nothing you've been working on the previous year. Yeah. And so it's it's kind of I think that at times it was a little bit discouraging to know that, Mm -hmm. like, okay, we can go sing in Old Town, but we've got all of one song that we can sing. And so I think that 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 casts a little bit of a shadow. Definitely. Not in a bad way, just in, I think, you know, a kind of a natural way. But second semester, it was then, you know, back to it. There was definitely a little bit of a change of pace in that, okay, we we maybe didn't work as hard as we ought to have in the first semester, which is why we know five songs as opposed to 500. <laughs> and so there was a lot of, I think there was a competitive element to like really get those bangers, yeah. you know, to perform them, to do well, to really start to establish and make a scene because we've got some really great groups on campus. Main Street, I was trying not to say Mainline, that's a restaurant. <laughs> uh, we've got like Main Street, I can't think of the other one. Uh, Main Street and then the Ramblings were the ones who performed yeah, the, the best Ramblings. At the end. Yeah, they were both great. And, you know, so it's it's hard to compare to somebody who's established and has a little bit of a track record. But when we see them, I think it's it's it kind of brings out the, that competitive element. And I think that that really manifested in second semester. I would definitely agree because I more than once kind of said something like that. Um, like, OK, guys, like we're performing with these other groups. We're not being judged based on. I don't know, like someone in Old Town just walking by hearing us singing, they're going to think we're great because we are singing music and it's novel and it seems really spontaneous and cool. But when we're at a concert, when we're set up with all these other groups, we're going to be compared to them. And that's not inherently a bad thing, but that gave us a little extra push, which is why I was really excited when we got invited to go to uh, Acapella, the Acapella Festival down at uh, University of Denver, which was super fun because it was us with what 14 other groups or was it nine other groups it was something it was um, was it was nine I th- others i think it was i think it was nine but that yeah. was it was oh, a lot of Casey groups says 10 total so yeah us and nine others but that was the turning point I, I definitely think it was it showed us what we were capable of because we could hang with the big boys especially in only our first season mm-hmm. and then at the same time you know we're seeing some other people put out some incredible music it was a lot of fun. And it was also, you know, there's a little bit of the sex appeal of getting to perform in front of a big group like that. It gets the blood going and it gets you thinking about like, oh man, like we could, you know, we could be big time. I was really looking forward to that. And I was so excited when the timing worked out for literally the whole group to go. I was worried, okay, maybe it'll be 10 of the 13, but we got everyone there. And I just, I was so excited after we performed and just like watching our members like see all these other groups that were not inherent not necessarily better than us um some definitely were you have that at every kind of thing every kind of performance but seeing the motivation like kind of get going in people like the rehearsal i think right after we got back was super solid and it felt like it's you know it connects back to what you were saying about first semester and i said this multiple times in the first semester this is going to be the worst time of the year because we're going to learn our five songs and when you're just learning music you don't get the boost from having performed it a lot we had two months where we were just learning music and then we got to perform it a bit and then we got some feedback and then the momentum built and then especially when we had a bunch of positive feedback from acapella i felt so much more confident in everyone's dedication because they were so inspired because we were out of that kind of work 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 period we were out of the learning phase and kind of into the uh the earning phase of the year yeah i 
I think that the shift from first to second semester was significant. And I think that as we have a little bit more of a name, a little bit of a reputation around campus, from here I see a, a lot of growth getting to happen. And I think that, you know, everybody, from what, you know, we talked about at kind of the end of the year in our last final hurrahs, people are all pretty excited about some of the potential stuff. So I just hope that that momentum carries into next year. I think it will. And I think it all comes down to how uh, next year's leaders kind of set the tone and the fact that we established the leaders for next year pretty early in second semester. I feel like everyone's got a good sense of what's going to kind of be coming down the pipe and how they can build going forward. Yeah, I think that uh, I think it'll be a pretty solid experience. Absolutely. So we're going to take a quick break here. I'm going to pass it over to Amanda Tran for her segment, Notable Coverage. She's going to compare some arrangements, uh, artists, and she's going to kind of, as she likes to say, I don't really get this phrase, but spill the tea. I'm not hip and young, so I don't get it on some acapella arrangements. So we're going to pass it over to Amanda Tran, and we're going to be right back here on Tacapella. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, filling your ears with voices since 2013. Welcome back to Notable Coverage, everyone, here only on Tacapella. My name is Amanda Tran, and I'm your host. And every week I talk about a song that is highly covered in the acapella world. For episode 14, we're going to take a listen to Somebody to Love by the one and only iconic international rock band, Queen. Now, when I was in the group Fermata at University of Washington, formerly known as the Huskies, because we were the Husky Dogs, but uh, yeah. We thought the pun was clever, but we had to change the name because, well, no one understood the pun on campus. So the group was founded in 2008, and since then we were have been singing Somebody to Love every single year, and it was our audition song every single year for pretty much the entire time I was in the group. And it's pretty much it has phased out since then in the past three or four years, but it's my mission as the alumni advisor to bring it back and make it a tradition again, because I think we were getting sick of it, but it's definitely something that has kind of bonded us as a group over time. And yeah, I am rambling. However, somebody to love, for some reason, it has stood the test of time. In my YouTube search, I found the oldest version um, was 2003. Now I'm pretty sure groups have been doing this way for way longer than that, but that was the oldest one I found. And the most recent upload was from four months ago at someone's spring concert. So that is a 15 year span of time and thousands of videos came up when I searched somebody to love acapella. There's something about the song that makes it so charming, so nostalgic, so fun so iconic that regardless of when you do the song, you can always validate the song choice because everyone in the audience and in the group will know it. And it's a great time when you sing Somebody to Love. It's also kind of cheesy, but we're here for that cheesy moment. Um, That's what acapella is, right? No one in acapella is cool. However, acapella is getting a little bit more cool, but we're basically all just nerds singing, making movements without instruments, 
It's not that cool, not that glorious. Um, anywho, from my research of hundreds and scrolling through thousands of versions of Somebody to Love acapella, I have realized that every single version sounds basically the same. And I have an inkling that everyone has been singing the same arrangement since the first time we've heard Somebody to Love acapella. Now, not all these arrangements or posts or videos of these um, arrangements have been listing the arrangers, but I still think all <laughs> versions of Somebody to Love acapella have been arranged by one person and people have just been altering it a bit here and there. That being said, I'm going to leave you with this one version of Somebody to Love that I think is super fun. The soloist kills it. Dan Payson Lewis, I think, I'm not sure what his stage name is now, but he totally slays the solo. He is like the epitome of being a tenor in the pop world. And yeah, he kills it. The run at the end is killer. And the group has like some of the most clean choreo I've ever seen. Like they could cut like, it's like Fruit Ninja, but with acapella, like perfect precision. Kill it. Soka vocals. Here's one version. Every other version sounds pretty much exactly the same. This one's just super clean. So here you go.
when you're on the street, oh yeah, when evening falls so hard, I will comfort you, I'll take your part, oh when darkness comes. Listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, filling your ears with voices since 2013. And welcome back to Acapella. Hey everybody, this is John Lampus chilling here with Chris Glattfelter. We've been talking about our group, The Mountain Horns, from CSU, the all-tenor bass ensemble that I started and Chris was a founding member of. So we're just kind of reminiscing about the year, talking about Chris's role as a teacher and as an older member and kind of what that experience brought to his time in Mountain Horns. So Chris, a couple other things I want to ask you about today. You had never done an acapella group before, correct? That is correct. And you had done minimal singing. So I'm really wondering, what was the most memorable experience you had in Mountain Horns this year, your first year doing acapella? I think the the big takeaway for me is going to be getting to play a unique role. Mm -hmm. I've been a part of an ensemble, and usually I'm I get to be one or one to three of the guys that's hitting that low note, you know, yeah. at the end of a song that you can point out on the recording, and go, Oh, that was me. But <laughs> for this, it's, you know, like that's, 
that's your part. And mm-hmm. there's maybe one or two other people. So for, you know, our, our tradition song as an example, you know, I, I think of Rocky Mountain High. And, yeah. And that part is, I mean, that's my part. It's, you know, obviously there's there's both Ben and I singing it, but it's that's our part. It's not, you know, just the bass line and an ensemble. Yeah. It's it's something that you get to own, having your own unique role. And sometimes there's one or only two to a part. And so it's the idea that, I don't know, again, boring teacher talk, but like that positive inter, in, positive interdependence Definitely. and really making sure that you you hold your own. And I think that that was a moment of growth for me and just kind of a great experience to know that I at least hope I know <laughs> that <laughs> I can, I can hold down a line and that I can, you know, as, as an individual and as a part of the ensemble play my part. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. And and my guess here is compared to our experiences in choir, you know, when you're depending on the choir, but you're, let's say you're one in 10 bases compared to, like you said, two bases in mountain horns when you guys took the lower baseline i'm guessing you kind of feel you feel more important would that be fair to say important is a good word i i think for me it's it's more of kind of the achievement element mm, of just yeah. it's not you know like necessarily the prestige it's more of just knowing that it's either that you're the final line and that if you either sing your part or you don't and it's not you know the bass section sounded like crap and we can pawn it off on all of the other mm-hmm. 15 guys that didn't learn their part, but it's you either do it or you don't, and it's either music or it's not. I definitely agree. For me, it always felt like I like mattered more when I was singing in a smaller group because whether you could pull my voice out of like the recording because I sang in a group of four to five people in my undergrad or even in Mountain Horns, it felt like, wow, in this group where it's 13 of us, I really feel like I'm contributing to this sound. And it felt it made me feel really special, honestly, and it gave me a lot of good feedback, and it's a lot of positive reinforcement. So one thing, Chris, that I'm always a big fan of in acapella is the communal experience. And normally you think of that as like, wow, I'm really good friends with this guy from this section, and to, we're all going on our retreat together, or you know, even just doing warm-ups together. We're all bonding as a group. But something that I felt was super unique to the group this year that I just I didn't really have an opinion on at the beginning and ended up loving was how much your family ended up not just being supporters, but feeling kind of like part of the group. Your wife, Casey, who, you know, we'd be doing rehearsal and she was just in the back doing homework. And then she would help us with um, giving us opinions on sound or balance when we were checking stuff. Or even your daughter, Lily, when she's just like sitting there and like saying like, you're not smiling or just like giving us her opinion. At the end of the year, they really felt like they're part of the Mountain Horns family. Like everyone knew their names. We all knew we could like count on them for, you know, we count on Casey for a ride or we all like people would watch their language around Lily and whatnot. I'm curious, what was that like for you? Because for me, I, I really had a great time having your family kind of part of the Mountain Horns family. I think it was really great to have my family there and kind of along for the journey and as a part of it. But all of our regulars, Brooke, who was Tim's girlfriend. uh, And she's been on the show before. You know, or Tracy. uh, We had a lot of people who were there just on the regular. And yeah, it was great to see familiar faces. It was, I don't know, it was like kind of this like groupy element. I was going to say. People that you can rely on. And I, I think that that. I think it's great because you not only get feedback, but you you have a family no matter where you go. And again, having that kind of unique role, you get some of that feedback. But then on top of it, it's 
it's just always good to know that you had people to rely on. And so mm-hmm. it, it was really wonderful for me to, you know, see Casey kind of get adopted into the group and oh, to, yeah. to have, you know, Brooke there pretty much every other rehearsal, like all of those people that, that were there on the regular, just, I, I feel so much closer to all of them. So I appreciate that. Uh, I remember when we went to your house at the end of the year for our uh, retreat right before our final concert. And it was super great that like, I mean, you guys made us dinner and it was really good, frankly. And then everyone knew who everyone else was. There was already like a dynamic. It felt like the like extended mountain horns community. And it's, I think you're, I think you're definitely right about, you know, always having the same people in the audience, not every time, but like the same, the same six people. And it reinforces this sense of, okay, our, you know, we're doing this for a reason. We're doing it to, you know, inspire and touch people and to make, you know, make great music while doing so. And for me, it always felt like, hey, we're doing this. Even if it's only like six people who are always here, we're doing some really great stuff for them. And I'm really excited that I think that kind of family is going to grow. Ideally, not too big because we don't need like 30 people watching every rehearsal. But it was, (laughs) I mean, that'd be a little weird. But it, it was really great to have, like I said, that extended Mountain Horns community that I think is just going to grow uh, around the group and just provide them with not just more feedback, but just a feeling like, yeah, you're doing this right. Keep doing it. Yeah, it's it's great to have it's great to have friends. And I, I actually weirdly think of uh, I think of different artists, you know, who are friends with others, almost like I, the first ones that came to mind were for some reason Adam Sandler and then his entourage and it's like no matter the movie you know that there's always going to be like a rob schneider there or a steve buscemi and just like uh, you know that familiarity almost like makes it it makes the experience better even though the movie sucked you still laugh (laughs) because of the weird way that they involve steve buscemi Uh, but you know for us it's like whether the performance is at nine o'clock on a frigid night in old town or it's in a big concert hall like you've got that kind of like grounding there and i and that's that was a really important element to the dynamic of the group. I definitely agree. It's like when you see R2-D2 and C-3PO in every Star Wars movie. It's it's along those lines. So one other thing you did uh, this year, Chris, as we begin to wrap up this hour, was you got to sing a solo on a piece called Dark Place, which is an original tune by my friend Duncan Toomey, who's been on three or four episodes. He should be coming on again soon. Uh, we've played it on the show multiple times. Daniel Wolfert uh, talked about it in our second ever episode where we were talking about acapella originals. And I thought that was a great piece for our group because they had never seen anyone else perform it. None of them knew it before this year. And it was a piece that we were allowed to make our own. And I think that really comes through in the solo. So I'm curious, uh, again, as someone who had not done much uh, singing beforehand and someone who got to basically kind of adopt this song as like their baby what was it like for you singing an original acapella tune that you got to make your own at times i think it was really nerve-wracking because there isn't a precedent there's nothing that i'm really following um as far as what to do and i i still don't know if that's exactly my song or anything so first off shout out to duncan toomey for hey duncan song and thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to perform it as a soloist um to speak a little bit more about the song itself, it's a song that I I think I personally connected with. I really liked some of the other songs we were singing, and had I gotten a solo on them, that would have been great. But this is a you know somebody who has kind of battled with depression and kind of mm-hmm. gone down some rough roads. I think that there was a 
a really great element to it. And in fact, every time I was singing the song, I would always, you know, look up at Casey and kind of make eye contact with her. There was even mm -hmm. a time when I pointed at her in a song and she told me afterwards that the girl in front of her was like, he was pointing at me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, so it was... Uh, Did she tell her, no, that's my man? She punched her in the throat. Oh, oh my gosh. Wow. So All right. No, she did not do that. But um, no, she just kind of sat there and like snickered. Wow. I'm I'm really glad I know that story now. <laughs> That's really great. But I think connecting with it on kind of like a, a personal level was was fun because I, I think that, you know, it just kind of made it a little bit more real. Like it gave mm -hmm. me a reason to be singing it. Um, and so there was that element. But I... In the end, I think one of my one of the challenges is I I, just, I don't know if it was ever my song. I don't know if I would consider myself a skilled enough singer to have taken it home or anything like that. But it was it was a lot of fun, and it was definitely cool to have people come up and comment. You know, one like you did a great job or something like that, which is which is really nice to hear. Mm -hmm. But the second one that I heard was like, oh, that was a really cool song, and you know, people would like co come and comment to me like it. Like it was my song. Yeah. Even though I didn't write it, even though I wasn't a part of it. Yeah. Just even though you didn't write it or whatever, I think for everyone else, you are the only person they've heard sing that song, especially live. No one's seen it live besides performed by Mountain Horns uh, in the state of Colorado. You know, a good friend of mine sang it in Washington and obviously Duncan has sung it um, back here in Oregon. But I think it's super cool that you get to kind of take ownership and introduce people to that song, especially considering you had an innate connection to it based on the subject matter. I know for me, I have sung songs, even in acapella groups, where I'm like, yeah, I don't really connect to this. Or uh, I sang a song where I connected to it, but I just wasn't ready to do that song vocally. And all these things you kind of have, they all have to kind of line up. And I think with an original acapella tune, it's super unique in that some of those barriers to either connecting with the song or taking ownership aren't there. And it's super cool that you were kind of this harbinger, this messenger of this really great piece with a great message for so many people. I am glad to have had the opportunity. I don't know if I ever mentioned this to you, but that's actually the first song I've ever, or the first real solo I've ever had outside of like... I think you did. I was going to ask that next. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I, I sang for like an old kind of like slave folk song was meet that hypocrite on the street. And the only reason oh, I could yeah, pull that yeah, off yeah. is because I was a bass. And so <laughs> it was like, oh, he's got the low voice. So, so, you know, that's the most of a solo I've ever had. So it was, it was really, I think it was a really, really great experience to get to one, sing a solo, you know, big lead like that. But then an original piece was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. So thank you for absolutely. that. So at Acapella, um, there were several different people who came up and said something about like, oh my gosh, that was, you know, that was an incredible song. And so people said that it made them cry. And so I think it's as, you know, I'm, I'm a big advocate for taking care of ourselves, taking care of each other. Um, it's something mm -hmm. I talk about regularly with my class. And so to, to have sung Dark Place and known that it had like a positive influence on people in the way that only music can do. I think that that was also a really just phenomenal opportunity to to have gotten to be involved in that and to have had people come back and give me that feedback. I guess I, you know, we get so used to doing what we're doing and kind of doing your own thing that you don't mm -hmm. necessarily sit back and think, 
what the perception of it's going to be. Of course, you hope people like it, but you don't necessarily know if it's going to connect with somebody on some sort of spiritual or ind individual level. So getting to make that connection with that song, I feel, I don't know, taken aback by how rewarding that's been. Absolutely. Well said. And we're going to take one more quick break, and we're going to be right back here on Tacapella. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, where people know the hashtag symbol, is for more than social media. Hello, and welcome back to week three of Across the Pond. My name is Erin and Across the Pond is a new segment on Acapella Radio highlighting the best of UK acapella. So this week we are going to be talking about the UK acapella ball which happened only a few weeks ago in London. It's a brand new thing here, we've never had it before so it was the first time that it's happened. And I must say it was a really fun night as sort of university groups might know when we all get together it's usually under a competition setting usually which often isn't very fun the other times that we see each other is when we're at the edinburgh fringe which is also competitive because we're all sort of fighting for slots or fighting for you know for people to come to our shows which are all relatively one and the same anyway you know it's acapella music so having an occasion like this where we can all get together and hang out um with no no prerogative there's there's nothing to compete over and just just ha just have a great time um it was really fun so it happened a couple of weeks ago it was in central london in a very swanky hotel um it had been planned out for ages it was a lovely three course meal and a disco afterwards and i managed to nab an interview with um a very lovely man called dan mailer he is um, a member of the Bristol Suspensions. You might have heard of them. They're a really excellent um, Bristol group who I admire very much. He is from the Bristol Suspensions and he took it upon himself to organise the entire evening, book the venue, do all the ticketing, put all the groundwork in behind this, um, which I feel like was super admirable because it just sort of came out of the goodness of his heart. So I managed to ask him a few questions. I asked him about who he was, um, where the idea for a ball came from, what the sort of highlight of the night was for him, and if there are any future plans for another one, maybe next year. Um, so this is Dan Mailer, and he's going to talk you through the process of the acapella ball. Hey, my name's Dan Mailer, and I've been singing acapella for a number of years now. I've sung in various different groups at university in Bristol, most notably having a number of positions with the Bristol Suspensions and being president of the University of Bristol Acapella Society. The idea to hold a national ball for acapella singers came around October last year when I was just sat at work and for some reason I was thinking about all the amazing friends that I've made in my four years doing acapella in a collegiate setting. Because um, like in this time, I've made some super close friends who are from a completely different part of the country at a completely different university that I would never have met if not for doing a cappella. But the thing is, I only get to see them every once in a while, usually at like a competition or a festival. So after exams finish in June and the Edinburgh Fringe Festival starts in August, there's a bit of a gap where not much really goes on in the cappella world. So I thought this would be a perfect time to hold like a formal get together, like a ball. 
when we do see each other, it's often like in a setting of a competition or selling competing shows. So I thought it'd be nice to have something like purely social and a bit fancy. The ball itself went really well and a load of people have told me how much they enjoyed it, which is really great and makes me so excited to hold the event again next year. I want to make sure we keep like attracting younger acapella singers to the event as I think um, people who are just starting to get involved with the UK acapella scene, like they need to have the same amazing experiences that people like I do and I want them to make just as great friends because I think this is like a big way that acapella will grow in the UK with more people getting more involved, making these connections like between groups from all over the country. So there he was. That was the lovely Dan Mailer from the Bristol Suspensions talking you through his process with the UK Acaball. The UK Acaball? The UK Acapella Ball. Um, so that was that. I don't know if um, America has any sort of acapella balls, but I'm sure that would be a, a huge task to organise all of you getting there. Um, but I really hope to see that grow and I... I respect and love when we all get together and we can just chill and relax and hopefully there will be more things like that in the future anyway thank you for listening um i'll be back next week and in the future we will hopefully be having some highlights about the edinburgh fringe which is very fast approaching and leaving for edinburgh this weekend and um maybe a few bits about the open um hopefully i'll be able to get an interview with some of Vo Collective who are going to the Open in New York in September. So keep listening. Thank you for tuning in. And I'll see you next time on Across the Pond. I don't want your body, but I hate to think about you. I've only done things that ought not to be done Throughout my life I've fought the fight that can never be won Throughout my years I've only seen things that cannot be unseen Throughout my years there've only been things that should never have been But if you are with me, maybe the world ain't such a dark place after all. Can't you see, maybe the world ain't such a dark place after all. I see the face of another past on I've seen the joy turn into tears when the love is gone The world is such a painful place, it's hard for us to survive It's not about what we destroy as long as we're still alive but if you are with me, maybe the world ain't such a dark place after all. If it can be, maybe the world ain't such a dark place after all. Darkness fades and the world is alright And 
And I will never be afraid as long as you are my light. And in your absence, I will learn to see the world as you do. And then the darkness will all fade the way it does around you. Because you are with me. I know the world ain't such a dark place after all. And I see. That the world ain't such a dark place after all. Dark place after all. Dark place after all. And welcome back to Tacapella. I'm your host, John Lampus, here with my guest, Chris Glatfelter. We've had a great time today talking all about Chris's time in my group, Mountain Horns, uh, his experiences being in the group as a teacher, as a father. Um, bringing his family kind of into the group, his time singing an original acapella tune and kind of making it his own. It's It's been a fun, multi, uh, multi-layered conversation today. And Chris, as we wrap up in our little final few moments here, I'm curious, and I ask a lot of people this, what would be your biggest piece of advice to uh, aspiring acapella singers out there? Um, well, first off, don't be, don't be sheepish. I, I know that... It, it can be a very vulnerable experience to walk away from the ensemble and kind of into a more independent or solo role. So don't don't be afraid. I mean, the worst thing that could happen is you die. Um, but that's not a big deal. Uh, on top of that, I would say that as you, you know, assuming that you've now joined the group and you are now an acapellian, an acapellite, I don't know what's the word. Something like that. I don't yeah. know. You're we an need acapella now. now. Um, I would say just go all in. I, you know, something I really liked that Stuart Dameron would say, um, he was our choir director at CSU for a bit was make loud mistakes and, you know, just commit to it. We had some younger members who I think once they just kind of let go of the fear of like being wrong in a song, they were able to improve and then make it their own because it was Mm -hmm. that idea of like trying to copy something and then, Oh, well, I don't sound as good as Jay Beebs does or something like that. (laughs) But as soon as, you know, as an example, Brandon, or as soon as Zach, or even myself, as soon as, you know, just decide to kind of send it, I think that that's where the growth happens. And that's where you're going to have the most fun. You're going to get up there. You're going to be terrified as hell, but it would be much better to go up and know that you belted it and gave it your all rather than walking away, having shown trepidation and been afraid and meek during a song. So I would say my advice, send it. Boom. Very well said, Chris. Chris, thank you so much for coming on Tacapella today. Thank you for the opportunity to have me. Um, I really do get to, or I get to appreciate, or I appreciate getting to be here um, to, I guess, speak to my experience. And I would like to say that, you know, please do check out the Mountain Horns. Um, yeah. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, do you have wait, a Twitter? Since I'm, Mountain Horns has a Twitter. I don't. Actually, I think I do. That's the one place I in the world where might. I've had to compete for... Well, you know, you've got to have Twitter for like something to sign up for something. And it's yeah. like, hey, free bonus or whatever. But... One of our classes required it. Um, but yeah, you can find Mountain Horns uh, spell just like it sounds at at Mountain Horns on Twitter, on Instagram and on Snapchat. And then you can also find them on uh, Facebook. Just look up Mountain Horns or CSU Mountain Horns and it'll pop right up. Uh, you can also find me at John Lampus, J-O-H-N-L-A-M-P-U-S on Instagram or Twitter. 
Chris, thanks again for coming on. This was a super fun, laid back and introspective episode that I, I, I really um, am happy we got the chance to do because it's really cool to get a chance to look back and say like, okay, what was this year like? And I'd say it was pretty good. I think we should just sing Memories from Cats now. I don't actually know how that song goes. Uh, I don't either. All I know is it's called Memories. And yeah, we should just sing that in our, in our you know, do our best. I, I don't know the tune. Yeah, we're not going to do that. Um. <laughs> 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 All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to Tacapella. And to me and Chris, just have a good time talking, talking acapella. Because that, that's the show. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. And for everything acapella, please stay tuned. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, where people know the hashtag symbol, is for more than social media.
Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. 